Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Guys, a real guys talk real sports. RSG Renegade Radio. The big show is on and back in full effect. It's about to get crazy in here tonight. It's about to get real wild. You only got Game Changer and Justin Page on the ones and twos. Um, you know, usually you need a third, like you need a PhD, you need a D Wills to keep us from just tearing this bad boy down. So for all you podcast downloaders, for all you live listeners out there. You're about to get, this is like ODB and, like, bust the rhymes on the track together. We about to, <laughs> it's about to get wild in here, man. It's about to get crazy. So, let me introduce my man, Justin. How you doing, brother? It's been a while. We were just talking off air how we, how we haven't had you on in a minute. This is probably the latest into an NBA season um, that we've had the first appearance by the, uh, the, resident NBA expert in the RSG fam, my man Justin Page. How you feeling, brother? Oh, game changer, man. I couldn't be better, man. I uh, I could be anywhere in the world, but I'd rather be here with you tonight. I'm ready to get it going. It's been a long season thus far. We missed out on our pregame show. We missed out on our pre-All-Star show. So I'm just happy and, and, and pleased that it's just you and I. We don't need any, uh, any censoring tonight. We don't need any supervision. I said we'd get right on into it. Right, it's like they left the kids at home alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to go down. So let's just jump right into it. You listen to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions. Resistance Digital, the official digital provider of the Real Sports Guys. Make sure you hit up our guy and CEO, LR. He will hook you up with all of your digital needs for a low, low price with amazing service. Make sure you hit him up at resistancedigital.com. All right, NBA talk. Talking NBA with my man Justin. This is this is good. This is again. If you were taping this, if this was back, you know, we do the hustle and flows podcast with my man Sekou and I, and we was talking about 1996. And if you take it back to 96, this is that moment where you about to hit record on your tape, and your tape deck, and you about to take this whole session because we about to get it's about to get lit in here. All right, so. 
first half of the season, we, we didn't get a chance to kind of chop it up and kind of just preview and make our predictions and everything at the beginning of the season. You know, life is busy. I coach basketball. Once November hits, my life gets crazy. Um, you know, D. Wills and PAZ uh, are both doctoral, uh, pursuing doctoral degrees. So, you know, this has been a real, a real uh, fragmented year for the real sports guys. Um, but we still keep it coming. We still keep plugging along with the podcast because we know the people out there enjoy what we do. So we keep it coming for the fans out there. Um, so we didn't get a chance to do our usual kind of run the folks through our usual regimen of preseason stuff, right? But uh, we're here now. We're about to keep it live. Again, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us, the Real Sports Guys, and we appreciate your patronage. Uh, let's rock with it for a second. First question, what's your opinion on the Golden State Warriors? How great do you think this team can be? Well, I know the show's only on for an hour and a half, but I could probably talk about two hours about how great they are, first and foremost. But but let me digress just really quick and say shout-out to, to you, Game Changer. Shout-out to Real Sports Guys. You just mentioned my boy Sekou, which you probably didn't even know. I was at the guy's wedding. I've known him for almost a little, little under a decade. His wife and my wife are, are line sisters. So so shout-out for hiring Sekou and getting that guy a show. Well-deserved uh, well, well deserved and uh Big ups to to real real sports guys for that. So yeah, he hit me to the connection. Yeah, he hit me to the connection, and I was like, wow, it really is a small world, but talented people roll together. So I'm not surprised. (laughs) I'm not surprised. No doubt, no doubt. But back to business. So Golden State Warriors, I would tell you that they are the best collective unit I have ever watched in my entire life. Now, let me put that in perspective for you. I promise you that I'm not playing prisoner of the moment here. I thought this last year when I was watching them in the playoffs last year. Now that they're 48-4 and four with a win percentage over 92% on, on pace to beat the, the 95-96 Chicago Bulls 72-10 and 10 record, yeah, I said it, the Golden State Warriors will beat the Bulls 72-10 and 10 record. Okay, they, I've never seen ball movement like they have. I've never seen interchangeable positions like they have. I've never seen two players shoot the basketball like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson have the capabilities of shooting the basketball. Either one of them can give you 30 and a quarter on any given night. They blow out the best teams possible. They've got the the highest uh, uh, margin of victory out of any team in the NBA. Think about this, man. We played 52 games, and they've only lost four, 48 and four. That's almost incomprehensible. They're better than the Bulls were at this time in in their season. Every other team that's had a a record anywhere close to there has has gone to set records, and I don't see this Golden State team being any different. And I think they're the best team I've ever seen in the, the 36 years I've been alive. Just my thoughts, ladies and gentlemen, just my thoughts. Okay. And and I can't argue with anything you said. I want to kind of dig into your basketball knowledge. You talked about the interchangeable parts um, and being able to have guys play multiple positions. What kind of advantage does that give the Golden State Warriors over their opponents? Huge advantage. When you've got a 6'7", 6'8", guy at best, and Draymond Green guarding another team's seven-foot center, and that center becomes immobile or or doesn't have the ability to – 
to overpower him because he gets so low in his stance and uses that forearm so aggressively. Draymond Green being able to play the three, four, and five gives them tremendous mismatches. It gives them cross matchups on, on the on the secondary fast breaks. Um, you know, Harrison Barnes can come in and play the three or the four. Uh, 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 they've got some injuries on the bench, but Zilia, uh, I mean, that guy comes in and plays the four and the five. Everybody on that team, including Steph and including Clay, can play multiple positions, and it puts the other teams on their heels. If, 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 if you didn't notice, you probably watched them play against the Spurs, in which the starters didn't have to play in the fourth quarter. They had to put Kawhi Leonard on Steph Curry, and he couldn't stop him. You put Steph Curry on the Kauaian Island, and he made it look like he was in the in the in the tropics. He he, he was on a yacht, kicking back, having having <laughs> the coladas. <laughs> that Kauaian Island was a good place for Steph, and he liked it. So I guarantee you, Pop's not going to try that in a seven game series again. Um, if you heard today, Pop had some high praises for Golden State, saying they're unsolvable. Anytime you hear the best coach, arguably in the history of the game, tell you that a team is unsolvable. The rest of the league needs to take notice. They cause matchup problems left and right. They shoot the basketball better than any team. They pass the ball better than any team. They move without the basketball better than any team I've ever seen. And they've got the superstar capabilities in Steph and Clay and Draymond. And they got a bit, they got a they got a deep bench. People forget about Sean Livingston before that knee injury. He was on target to, to – he was a top prospect in the NBA. He's a six eight point guard who can play three and four positions on defense. I can't say enough good things about these guys. Uh, you know, I spent three years out in the, in, the, in the Bay Area, Northern California, had Golden State season tickets, and that was just when they started to get good, when they had Mark Jackson. And I would tell my wife multiple times, and she'd laugh at me, I said, these guys are special. They're going to do something. Steph's going to, at, at some point, become the best player in the game. And she laughed at me and laughed at me and laughed at me. And look at me now. Look at me now. <laughs> so that, that's that's a, that's an interesting statement about Steph. I want to revisit that in a second. But the question I want to ask you, right, um, let's say we uh, we meld the errors. Who wins? Seven game series. Ninety five, ninety six, seventy win, seventy two win Chicago Bulls with Rodman, Pippen, Ku Coach, and Jordan, or two thousand fifteen, two thousand sixteen Golden State Warriors. Who wins in a seven game series? And why? See, this is this is where I think it gets dicey. I I hate comparing generations of basketball. The game is completely different today than Absolutely. it was. I agree. So there, there's a multitude of questions that I'd have for you in return. All right, what style rules are we playing? Are we playing 80s rules or are we playing 2015-16 rules? Are we allowing That's a, a hand check? Are, are, we, are we, you know. Are we calling a legal defense? <laughs> right? Are we calling a legal defense? Are we allowing hack a shack? Because I, if I recall, Rodman was never the best foul shooter. <laughs> right. You know, right. there's so many elements to that game. I like to appreciate the 95-96 Bulls for 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 what they gave the game and what they gave me as a as a, you know, at the time of 15, 16-year-old growing up in the Midwest and having something to be proud of. Or do I look at the game now and say, you know what? The game now is better than it's ever been. 
and you give me the athletes and the shooting ability of multiple players as opposed to one superstar and a bunch of good guys, I'm going to have to go with the multiple superstars. And, and, and I'll, I'll go out on the limb here because I'm always about being candid. So I'm going to take the Golden State Warriors, to be honest with you. And I think where, where they finished this year at 74-8, which is why I have them, I think it'll be proven that they're the better team. Yeah, I, 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 to me, that's not far-fetched. Um, I know some people out there, you know, some folks out there just seem to feel like comparing them to the Bulls is just like sacrilege. And I'm not of that camp. Um, you know, there were advantages, right? When we think about the 90s basketball, right, people talk about, well, you know, it was more physical on the perimeter. Yes, it was more physical on the perimeter, but you also couldn't sag off of guys like you can nowadays. Right, so it no has to be defense. more physical on the perimeter because you had a legal defense, right? So that means if you got a non-shooter, like you had to guard Dale Davis out to the three-point line when well, you had no business guarding no Dale Davis in the corner, <laughs> but you had to. So it was a different way of creating spacing, and that's why in the '90s the slasher was the premier type of player on the perimeter or a post-up big man because you could create space around them. Where today a post-up big man isn't as valuable um, in the traditional sense because you don't have the illegal defense rules where you can't control where the defense is going to be by how you space your players out. Whereas today it doesn't, you know, the spacing is all dependent upon can a guy shoot. And, you know, I think today guys are actually, in my opinion, more skilled than they were in the 90s because in the 90s the biggest gripe from everybody, and I got tired of hearing this as a kid, is, oh, players today can't shoot. What happened to the mid-range game, right? Remember that? Oh, I remember it well. Now in the NBA. Absolutely. Right. Now, remember, in, now in the NBA, if you can't shoot, you can't play. That's a good thing. Can't play a lick. You know what I mean? And you mentioned you, in you the, the, the legal court. defense. You got to think, zone defense wasn't allowed back then either. That's right, because you would get called illegal because you had to be within, like, six feet of your guy or some ridiculous rule like that. Not ridiculous, but that was the rule. Like you had to be a certain distance away, and if you were, like, too far away, they called you for illegal defense. You know what I mean? You got attacked. <laughs> it, it, it was absolutely you know I mean? absurd. Like and the funny, th- a funny part about that is I know you always think I tie things back to, to, to my preferences, but I heard Allen Iverson over All-Star Weekend talk about, man, if I played in today's NBA, I would average 40. <laughs> AI said this: the way they're playing defense now is, is so vastly different than back then, it's so hard to compare. And all these old right. school guys, they would have averaged 40 or 50 a game in, in, in this new NBA. I could almost see it because, you know what, if Steph was playing in fourth quarters, I could see him averaging 40 points a game. And that's how right. good he is in addition to the Golden State Warriors. But, see, I would counter that and say AI wouldn't average 40 on that 2006ers team because it wasn't enough shooting around him. Ain't nobody guarding Eric Snow outside the free throw line. So AI might be up top. AI himself, if he's playing one-on-one, yeah, you can't guard him with these defensive rules. But when you consider the rest of his team, when you got George Lynch, who can't shoot no three, Matumbo, Tyrone Hill, and Eric Snow as your other four people on the court, he would have had nowhere to go because everybody Hold on, hold on. Don't forget Aaron McKee. Aaron McKee. Shoot it a little bit. Right. He could shoot it a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. But they had no shooting on that team. So that his best team would have struggled mightily in today's NBA because he just wouldn't have had – he would have been Monte Ellis-like because he wouldn't have the space. 
Whereas in the 90s, you had to guard those dudes wherever they were. You had to guard them. You had to stay with those guys wherever they were. He still put up his points, but it would be very difficult because he's always looking at the, a lane pack full of guys. You know what I mean? Where you said it, I think, perfectly when you talked about Golden State. All of the pieces fit, right? All of the pieces fit perfectly for what today's – for what if you were going to construct a perfect team for today, you got guys who can switch every ball screen when the league is basically – a ball screen, and every offense starts with a ball screen nowadays because you only got 24 seconds to get a shot up. So you start with a right. ball screen action to get the defense, you know, and, and compromised right away. And when you got guys who can switch, that takes that advantage away defensively. You know, and they have guys who are all solid defenders. Solid is not above average to great defenders. Um, when you talk about Clay and, and Draymond, they're upper echelon defenders at their position. Um, and Draymond – you know, he's riding with defensively with an offensive skill set. And, and when you start comparing the two teams, I don't know, man. Again, I love to see it play out, and I never doubt Mike in a competitive situation. But I think Golden State has some very real advantages given how they stretch the floor. You know, um, they stretch the floor in a way that I don't think anybody ever has before in, in the history of the NBA. I think this is something different than what we've seen before. I don't think a team has forced you to guard areas of the court that you have to guard when you're playing against Golden State. Like, you got to guard out to 26, 27 feet. That's that's a lot of ground to cover, even for the most gifted athletes in the world that play in the NBA. I'm literally shocked that we agree on this. I expected this to turn into to what we typically get into. So, I'm flabbergasted. I don't, I'm almost at a loss for words. We've never agreed so early in the show in, in previous uh, appearances. So uh, clearly we both know what we're talking about today. <laughs> well, I, yeah, 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 I think so. I think we're both seeing the same thing. Um, and, again, I think, you know, I kind of always try to take a step back. When people – when when the when the crowd is going one way, I kind of take a step back. And I think you're that way too. We kind of look at it like, really, does this make sense? Um is this so out of the question? Because I've had people be like, it's just out of the question. You should be even slapped for bringing it up. And I'm like, really? I don't think it's that crazy. I just don't. I don't think it's that crazy of an idea. And, again, I never doubt Mike in a competitive situation. But Golden State, I don't know, man. This is a different animal. This is just something different. And I would love to see it play out. I'll tell you this. Mike never saw an animal like Steph Curry. I'm sorry. Right. Right. Mike, I don't think we've had, Mike I don't think Steph we've Curry had was Isaiah Thomas. Maybe John Stockton in the finals, uh, Reggie Miller, you know, and Reggie was great, and, and Zeke was great. Don't don't just don't think that I'm discrediting these these all time greats, these Hall of Famers. But to me, Steph is on a whole nother playing field, and to have a number two that can shoot equally as good in Clay, I've never seen anything like it, and I've been saying this since last year. My friends have been, been, been uh, you know, uh, requesting my basketball uh, uh, IQ at the door. They've been challenging my basketball acumen. And, and, and now they look at me and say, you know what, JP, you are ahead of the curve. And I try to tell them I don't go off stats. I go off the eye test. And from what I saw from Steph Curry, from Davidson to my season tickets in Golden State, and, you know, while this is probably not a popular opinion, Mark Jackson could not get the best out of those guys. 
Mark Jackson was not running a read and react offense that was predicated right. on player movement. Right. He was he was ISO heavy with Steph and he, he only had Harrison Barnes and Clay as three point shooters, not realizing he was underutilizing Draymond Green. Not utilizing Sean Livingston to his full capacity. Not getting the defensive effort out of the collective group like Steve Kerr has been able to do. So while I know a lot of people are, are hard on the, the Warriors uh, ownership group and they feel like they made a brass move due to, to uh, personality disorders and or those not getting along in upper management, I absolutely think they made the right choice. I think they, they, they hit it on all cylinders by not trading Clay Thompson for Kevin Love when they have the opportunity to. They kept the cohesiveness. They kept the, 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 uh, the chemistry going. And Steve Kerr really built on a great foundation to great, create an all-time great team that, to me, will end up rivaling the, the, that, that Bulls era from, you know, 92 to 98. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you were saying all those things, man, you were ahead of the curve because um, – and, and so were they. I think management did a good job of, of keeping the crew together, not being knee-jerk, um, making smart decisions um, in the draft with player acquisition. They never made really big, splashy moves. Bringing in Udala was a perfect fit because he gave them another guy who was a, who had a Swiss Army knife skill set, 6'6", 6'7", could guard multiple positions. Um, but also didn't necessarily need the ball to be uh, super effective, but also could play with the ball in his hands and let Steph play off and let Kurt, uh, and let uh, Clay play off. Um, it's just a well put together team, man. Um, it's just a really well put together team. Um, which brings me to the question: Has the title of best player in the world changed hands? In your opinion, game changer. It changed hands over a year ago, sir. (laughs) I've been telling anybody that knows me, anybody that will listen, through the second half of last year when Steph Steph was on that amazing MVP run, and I knew he was going to win the MVP, I asked the question. I said, Golden State Warriors have the best record. Steph Curry has the best jump shot. Steph Curry is not afraid of the moment. Steph Curry can get a teammate a shot at any given time. The only thing that somebody can do better than Steph is is potentially defend. But in that system, with great defenders such as Draymond Green, such as Andrew Bogut, such as Harrison Barnes, you can mask his inefficiencies on defense. But I've never seen a player handle the ball like Steph. I've never seen a player accept a challenge like Steph. I've never seen a player shoot the ball like Steph. I've never seen a player shoot the ball off the dribble like Steph. Steph is by far, in a way, the best player on the planet, and he was in the finals last year. He got robbed for the finals MVP. Um, I believe that Idugala did change the series, but I think without Steph, Golden State doesn't win that. Steph's presence on the court is what allowed Idugala to be effective on offense. Steph is my MVP of last year's finals. And while I thought it earlier, it wasn't solidified until they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, in that uh, six-game series that probably should have went five games. I am a firm believer that Steph is better, and I'll tell you what, 
he better watch out because Kevin Durant, a healthy Kevin Durant, is on his heels as well. And Russell Westbrook. And Russell. So Westbrook. LeBron is where? So where's LeBron on your? Wait a second. Player? I'm not going to drop him too far. Your top ten. Give me your top ten players in the world right now. Top ten players in the world right now. Uh, I got to go Steph one. I'll go LeBron two, but not for long. I'm going to go KD three, only because he's 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 close to seven foot. Uh, if, if he was any any smaller, I'd put Russell Westbrook in his spot. But you know they're interchangeable. So Steph one, LeBron two, KD three. Uh, Westbrook four. He he's just so athletic, so versatile, can can affect the game in so many ways. Wish he he played better man to man defense. He reminds me of AI a little bit, and he'll get you to he'll lead the league in steals because he he anticipates so well and he plays off the wall ball so well. But man up and mano a mano, he'll let a guy go by him in a heartbeat, and and sometimes he takes some some risks that I wouldn't like as a coach. Uh, which is his only knock. Uh, but I got Russell Westbrook at four. I've got uh, uh, Anthony Davis at five. Um, Demarcus Cousins at six. And then you know, se- you know, seven through ten is pretty interchangeable. You could look at Harden. You could look at Kawhi Leonard. You could look at uh, uh, you know various skilled position players. But I think the top five, top six is really where your bread and butter lies. And I wouldn't deviate from Steph 1, LeBron 2, KD 3, Russ 4, DeMarcus, or Anthony Davis 5, DeMarcus Cousins 6. After that, it's kind of all uh, all in a in a nutshell. Okay. What do you think? Okay. You're top. Oh, I might I, I probably have I probably have Cousins at 7 and Kawhi at 6. I think Kawhi has taken a step um, again, I think numbers-wise, we don't see, like, the gaudy production because that's just not the Spurs system. Um, but this is a dude, and maybe you've seen the footage. LeBron, when, when they were playing the, the Heat in the finals two years ago, when he came in the game, the best dude in the world said, all F, <laughs> here he comes. <laughs> like, you can see LeBron mouth it. You can see LeBron mouth it. LeBron was shooting the free throw. He turned around, he saw Kawhi check it. And he said, all F. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. I can't be mad at it. That's a bad dude to me. That's a bad dude to me. When you make the best player in the world, see you come in the game and he mad, and he like, right, I got to deal with this dude again, That that that's that's something. So I know that's splitting hairs. I would go with Cousins at seven, Harden at eight. Um, at my nine spot. Harden at eight. I'm sorry. Huh? You can't put Harden at eight. You had Harden at eight. I, I thought about it after I said it. <laughs> Harden is not a, he's not eight. I can't put him at eight. I got to put a Chris Paul over a Harden. He does way more things on the floor. Um, I'll probably take LaMarcus Aldridge over a Harden. He does more things on the floor. Harden only scores. I don't know. That's- L.A., 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 uh, Aldridge is kind of, I don't know, he kind of looking a little suspect to me in this first situation. And I know it's not it's not about the numbers. It's just, you know, Timmy will take a night off, and that's when he's supposed to do his thing, right? When they sit Timmy, it's supposed to be Aldridge time. And it never really is, though. You know what I'm saying? It never really quite, like, is Aldridge time. You know what I mean? You didn't just so watch I, the last 
played? Did you watch the last game they played prior to the All Star break when Aldridge they went nah. to him the last possessions and he got him a bucket every single time? Nah, I missed that game. But the other games I've seen, it hasn't quite been what I was hoping. Maybe he's starting to figure it out. I know those things take time too. So I've kind of laid back on on totally throwing stones at him because I know when you go to a new team and you're a dude that's used to having the ball, it takes a minute to find your rhythm. Um, so I I was I I'll lay I'll lay low on that one and keep building, keep uh, gathering data on that particular situation. Uh, but I didn't get to see that last game before for before the All Star break. So it was against the Orlando Magic. It was against the Orlando Magic, and and he had the bigger Nikolai Vujacic on him, and Pop finally committed to him and said, "I'm going to you every every play down the break, and or every every play down the stretch." And he did it, and he and he rolled the Spurs to a two point victory. And while he they should have beat the Orlando Magic by way more than two, what I would argue is it's not just going to a new team that's difficult; it's going to the San Antonio Spurs that's difficult. They don't promote the superstar. They don't allow somebody to get 30 shots up like he was taking in Portland. When he was getting his 20, 30 shots a game, he was top five in the league in scoring. He was he was rebounding the basketball. He's learning a brand new system and a brand new culture, in that that's used to winning. So he has to take a step back to the Tim Duncans, to the Kawhis who've been there multiple years, to the Tony Parkers, to the Manny Ginobili. Just let him get comfortable in that system and watch his ability. I guarantee you that – and and it, and the same thing that votes for him is the is, is same for Kawhi. Kawhi, if you take him out of that Spurs system, I think you're definitely taking DeMarcus Cousins over Kawhi in, in a free system. But the Spurs system is difficult to understand, is difficult to learn, and that's – what Kawhi is going through now and Kawhi, I'm sorry, is what LaMarcus is learning now and what Kawhi has had the benefit of learning his entire pro career. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I, I concede all of that. I definitely concede all of that. But I, st- I still have Harden at 8, CP3 at 9, and then Paul George at 10. So that's how I ride mine out. I like PG at 10. I like that, and I, I can't disagree more. And I and uh, I, hear, I hear you on the flip. I hear you on the flip with with uh, Paul and Harden. I love Chris Paul. I just think at this point he's sort of beginning to start his decline as a player, where Harden is kind of in his prime right now. Um, CP3, I still think is a, I still think he's a top ten player in the league, um, but I think he's starting his decline, um, and he's starting the 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 back end of his greatness. Where I think. Uh, Harden is still in the thick of his greatness. That's the only difference between the two, and it's one spot. Now, I'm going to throw you off guard real quick, if you don't mind answering. In the next two to three years, who's going to replace anybody in that lineup? Because I guarantee you, within two years, Carl Anthony Towns is going to crack that list. (laughs) Yeah, I think think Carl Anthony Towns for sure cracks the list. Um, I don't really... You know, Draymond is a hard one to figure out for me. Um, I think in the context of what his team is doing and if he continues to grow, I mean, this is a dude that's giving you 15, 10, and 8 pretty much um, with a block and a half, a steal and a half on a nightly basis, shooting very good percentages. You know, that's hard to keep out of a top 10 when you're talking about player, and he's playing excellent defense. Um, Then on the flip side of that, 
you know, somebody like Dame Lillard, who, you know, he's he's a good teammate or two away from being one of the top guards in the league. Um, so I think those two guys, plus a Carl Anthony Towns, have the ability to potentially break into the top ten within a year or two. I haven't had a chance to check in on check in with you on your thoughts on Ben Simmons. Um, so, so how do you feel about Ben Simmons and his game and where he fits in as a potential prospect? Love his game. Love his overall demeanor and approach to the game. Don't necessarily love his motor, but I like his 6'10 stature. I like his unselfishness. I like his ability to score efficiently and not be a volume shooter. I like his ability to defend. I like his ability to hit the open man. What I want to see from Ben Simmons is after this season, when they don't make the NCAA tournament, I want him to Which is going to be a crime. That's going to be a shame. A crime. Absolutely. That's going to be a shame that he, we don't get to watch him in the tournament. Because <laughs> they're not going to Think about this. <laughs> LSU had Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, uh, Chris Jackson, now Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, Stanley Roberts, they had two seven-footers and the best point guard in the game, and they couldn't even make it to the Sweet 16. LSU has this stigma about them. I don't know what it is or why it is that they can get star players and they just underachieve from a, a program perspective. I don't know why yeah. it is, and I know it's off subject. However, I really think that if Ben Simmons could get in the term- tournament, people could see how special he really is. And while I think that he'd be a surefire lock at the number one pick, this guy, Buddy Hill from uh, Oklahoma, has been impressing me more and more every day. This time last year, I had Jaleel Okafor from Duke as the number one pick until I started paying more and more attention to, to Carl Anthony Towns, right? And, and we saw a little a little flip there. Mm-hmm. While I think Ben Simmons had the media hype coming in, and yes, he's lived up to it, I don't. I think his outside jump shooting ability, you got to think, it's a jump shooting league now, is going to hurt him in his, his draft workouts. And I think Heald has the jumper that's down pack. And I think that, does the world maybe shocked a little bit if Ben Simmons doesn't go one? And I'll tell you right now, depending on who gets that number one pick, I I could conceivably see uh, Buddy Hield going before Ben Simmons if a player need if, if a team needs a wing player that can score the basketball. But I love Ben Simmons. I think his his game is right. impeccable. I think he's extremely mature for his age. Um, I, again, I'd like to see him improve on his jump shot, and I'd like to see him play with a little bit more aggression. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Um, I, I I think Ben Simmons will go number one just because he has the potential to be truly a six foot ten point guard, six foot ten, 250-pound point guard. He has the potential to be able to guard all five positions on the court. I think he'll go off potential because that's what the draft is about. He'll go number one. But I'm with you. I think Buddy Hield might wind up being a better player in five years. I think they'll both be legit superstar top ten guys in the league. I really do. I think Buddy Hield, and maybe this is – maybe he's benefiting from kind of a residual Steph Curry kind of a vibe, but I think 
he has that sort of potential that Curry had when you saw what you probably saw in Curry in college. I see in Buddy Heald where this dude is in range anywhere. Like, every time he shoots, I'm wondering if he's going to miss. Um, he's clutch. He He's gotten better. I mean, this dude is – and that's that's probably the most important thing to me when I watch Buddy Heald is that he's a different player than he was last year, and he was good. And most guys, if they're good, they kind of just like, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing, where he worked and he improved. And that's what really separated Steph Curry and made Steph into what he is. He had a beautiful jump shot coming in, but Steph could not handle the ball the way he could handle the ball. He turned himself into the best, if not 1A, best ball handler in the NBA. And it seems to me that Buddy Heald is cut from that same cloth as far as work ethic. And that's what would draw me to him as a coach. Now, his athletics, his numbers, his measurables, we'll see if he measures out as a quote-unquote elite athlete. But I don't care about that. I think teams will care about that, and they may downgrade him because of that. But in the end, I think Ben Simmons and Buddy Heald will be the two best guys to come out of this draft class, hands down. I couldn't agree with you more, and I'm almost disappointed because I'm waiting for us to to disagree. <laughs> That's what makes <laughs> when I on the radio special is when we disagree. So we got you right. got to give me something here where you can allow me to be contrarian and educate you a little bit, my brother. <laughs> well, let's see. Well, this one, this one, this one might get us going. All right. So Melo, Dwight Howard, and Kevin Love have all been mentioned in trade talks. The trade deadline is quickly approaching. Um, what are your thoughts on these three guys? These are guys who three years ago were probably untouchables. You know what I mean? And the fact that their names are being thrown around at the deadline um, and not in a good way, like not in a blockbuster, give me your whole roster kind of way, but the teams that they're on are kind of questioning whether or not they fit, whether or not they belong on these particular rosters. And they're kind of almost forgotten superstars at this point. What do you think about the trajectory of their careers going forward, and how can they get back to that kind of – because we didn't mention any of these guys in our top ten. And I think three years ago you would have been hard-pressed to not have a top ten with at least one of these guys in it. Um, what do they need to do to get back to that level? Well, I'll tell you this. First off, I only gave you about my top seven or eight. I never really got to nine and ten. And you better believe that my guy Carmelo would have been in there. If I if I had got through the whole list, however, you know Paul George is arguably a better player than Carmelo Anthony this year. But if you really look at overall skill set, I'm not taking Paul George over Melo. Melo is a bona fide superstar. Melo was voted in by the fans for the All Star game for a reason. The only reason Melo's name is coming up in trade is one. He makes almost $30 million a year. Two, the Knicks are going nowhere fast to no fault of Melo. So why are you paying any player on your roster $30 million and you know that you probably won't even make the playoffs? I think New York is 22, or 23 and 32 right now, which is a 41% win percentage. Melo has no business in a circumstance like that. So if you have the ability to move Melo and get him to a contending team, I think – what you'll get in return for Melo, I think that that is going to catapult the Knicks into the playoffs in the next two to three years. However, Melo's got a no-trade clause, right? 
And Melo also said over All-Star Weekend, I'm not sure if you caught it, but every player wants to play with another superstar. So I don't know what needs to happen, but Boston needs to come off those draft picks. <laughs> uh, Cavs need to let Kevin Love go ahead and, and, and take his way to, to uh, a country and a, and a state and a city that will embrace him like they did the, the, the great uh, Caucasians of the past and Larry Bird and Kevin McHale. Let, let Kevin Love go shine in Boston where he belongs. Give New York the draft picks that they've been long desired because they don't have a first round pick through like 2019 or something incredible like that. Yeah, we'll be, and let 40, Melo go. We'll be going on 40 by the time they get the pick in the first round. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and let my man Melo go shoot his shot with LeBron. Well, I think Melo's a better fit in Cleveland than Kevin Love. And well, I think that with Melo, Kevin Love, or neither of them, I think the Cavs are still locked to make the finals. I think that Melo needs to go to the Cavs just to feel what it's like to win again, get them back motivated, and granted, no matter who they play in the West, whether it's Golden State or the Spurs, I think that uh, the Western Conference team is going to win. But I think that Melo still has a lot of value. It's just that contract. He needs to play for a contender with that with that cap number on his head. Um, and with his no-trade clause, you can only trade him to – a Cleveland, because that's the only player he wants to play with. Maybe the Clippers, because he loves Chris Paul as well. He's not going to Miami with D. Wade and, and Bosh, who's uncertain for the rest of the year. Hassan Whiteside, who's got contract issues. Um, so I don't think Melo's trade value has diminished at all. It's just, who's the right fit? Who do you trade him to that can afford him and that is in position to win a championship? Okay, okay. I, I don't. I don't think Melo is a superstar in the sense of a superstar anymore. Um, I just. I feel like he should be in the East. He should be able to get that Knicks roster into the into the playoffs. I really do. I feel like he should be able to get them an eight seed in the East at worst. I mean, he had. He they had. Were, he had worked they were, they were two games out of the eight spot until when he hurt his knee. They lost seven in a row. They're zero and eight without Melo in the lineup. Yeah. 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 So the and, roster is not that good. It's not mellow. They no, win not, when he's in there. No, it's not it's not a great roster. I, I give you that. It's not a great roster. It's a very flawed roster. But I still think Melo should get them an eight seed. Um which in the East is not difficult to do right now. It's just not you you might not even have to be five hundred to get it. Um so that's that's just my he he's gotta get that team to the playoffs and he's gotta put himself back in back on the radar in my opinion, beyond just being in New York, but like playing some basketball in April and May. Um, obviously, he won't be playing no basketball in June because that team ain't good enough to do that. But that's the thing that I think you, you make a name for yourself in the playoffs, and Melo has been absent the last two or three playoffs. Um, and no, I think that's No, ago he, he was second in the East. Come on now. Give him some credit. How many years he, ago? Two, two years ago, he was number two seed in the, in the East and went to uh, the second round. Seems like so long ago. <laughs> uh, pre Derek Fisher, <laughs> right, man? Derek Fisher, don't get me started on Derek Fisher. <laughs> Mr. Girl, pre Derek <laughs> was there, and they won over fifty games. Give him some credit. Melo led that team. <laughs> oh man, don't get me started on Derek Fisher, man. That dude, 
That whole situation. Oh, we can have a whole show Jerry, uh, right? around Fisher. Yeah, Mr. Steal Your Girl. <laughs> Mr. Steal Your Girl, Mr. Lottie, the franchise to help your daughter and go sign with the team you want to play for. Mr. Conniving yeah, uh, 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 business practices as the uh, executive director of the Players Association who botched the the, uh, the negotiations. Don't get me started on, on Derek Fisher, please, because we don't have enough time to cover that. <laughs> yeah, 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 I won't get you started. So then let's go to this. So, so you still got faith in Melo. You still believe in Melo. I'm at a different place with Melo. Um, but Dwight Howard. You know how I feel about Dwight Howard. I ain't never been a fan of Dwight Howard just because I think he he doesn't really know how to play basketball that well. Um, you know, for a dude with his athletic gifts to have one post move, come on, man! Like you got the jump, he got the jump hook. He's still using that same raggedy jump jump hook. He ain't got nothing else. He don't got no fifteen footer. And you know, most bigs that age well eventually age well because they develop a fifteen a, a mid range jump shot. Even Blake developed a, a mid-range jump shot, you know, sooner than than uh, Dwight Howard. And, and Dwight had a head start. You know, he's been in the league for three or four more years before Blake, or five or six years before Blake even got in the league. You know what I mean? And that's what's always bothered me about Dwight is that he just doesn't seem to be very focused on evolving. He's been comfortable blocking shots, getting rebounds, and being super athletic. And now he's not as he's not super he's athletic, but he ain't super athletic like he was before. And I just feel like he doesn't have very much value nowadays because one, he want he thinks he's more than he is. And right now he's he's a he's Tyson Chandler in his prime. You know what I mean? Where he's gonna give you some great defense, he's gonna rebound, he's gonna block shots, and you know he's a live catcher. That's really all he all he all he's good for at this particular point in his career. I don't know if you you're of a different opinion, but that's my opinion on Dwight. What's your what let, you let me ask Dwight you, Let me ask you this, uh, uh, game changer. Are you familiar oh, yeah. with uh, T.I. and Christina Aguilera's song on Trouble Man album called "I'm Coming Home"? And the verse goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hook, Tell the world I'm coming home. Yeah, Dwight, yeah, absolutely." Dwight Howard, if you're listening, Atlanta Hawks, we want you, Dwight Howard. Please come home. Revive your career. Come on home, as T.I. would tell you. We need Dwight Howard in Atlanta, Georgia, where he was born and raised. Dwight is not motivated in, in Houston. Dwight is a top five center in this game when he's motivated. Dwight single-handedly took the Orlando Magic to the NBA Finals comparable to LeBron James in Cleveland or Allen Iverson in, in, in Philadelphia under the great Stan Van Gundy. Dwight Howard can be a problem for opposing oppositions in the East. However, he's in the West. He can't match up with Cousins. He can't play small ball against Golden State. Tim Duncan is too fundamentally sound to 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 for 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 his liking. And not to mention, the guy hates playing with James Harden, who's a ball hog. Yeah. So yeah. if you and he's got a coach in Ernie in, in Bickerstaff who doesn't have the ability to to resolve conflict. Dwight is non confrontational. Winners cause conflict create conflict to achieve greatness to get the best out of everybody. That's not Dwight's personality. 
let Dwight get out that bad situation over there in Houston where he doesn't get along with Harden, where his coach doesn't want to inflict conflict between he and Harden to get the best out of them, and he wants to coddle the both of them. Let that man get out of Houston before Thursday. Trade him for Al Horford straight up. I know the money doesn't quite add up, um, so Atlanta's willing to give cash considerations. But we'll we'll rent Dwight for a year. You know, Al Horford and Paul Millsap, they play the same position to some degree. So if we would allow Al to move on, who's a free agent next year, is going to move on anyway, Get something in return, which is Dwight Howard. Let's rent him for six months, see if, or for three months, see if he's worthy of a spot. Let Paul play his natural position as the as the four. Let Dwight focus on rebounding, defense, blocking shots, and scoring in the paint. Let Al shoot jump shots for for the Houston team when they're available to him. When 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 uh, uh, James Harden's not uh, chucking it up. I think it's a great move for both organizations, both the Rockets and the Hawks. It's a great move for both players. Dwight's coming back home. Harden's staying in Houston, and he's got a new he's got a new uh, center who fits his style of play more. That's the ideal situation for all parties involved. Dwight, come on home, baby. Okay, so you're advocating for Dwight to come back to Atlanta, his hometown, and that's going to revitalize his career. I hope that you're right because he needs it. I hope that happens. It's averaging a double like double right now. Don't call, don't count him out. No, I, I dig that. He's 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 not bad. He's just not what he was. You know what I mean? Like I said, he's like a prime Tyson Chandler in his prime. Tyson Chandler in his prime was a very very good player. I mean, a third team All NBA type player for sure. Um, but he's not what Dwight Howard was. Like you said, when he carried that Orlando team to the finals, that was a different guy. And even then. I still felt like he was just scratching the surface of what he could become, and he still needed to work and develop. And that's always been my frustration with him is that he hasn't evolved beyond what he was at that particular point, which in that in that situation, he was getting by on being a great athlete um, at his size. No, and, and having he was the number one. He was the number one focal point. You put any star player with James Harden, they're not going to shine. James Harden is a ball stopper, a shot shooter, uh, a non-defensive player, James Harden does everything the wrong way other than score the basketball. And I don't even like how he does that because I hate that pump fake, lean into the guy, get the shot, and get to the foul. <laughs> Harden is Dwayne Wade in 2003 where he shot 20 foul shots a game. You can't give Dwight, Dwight Howard a star like James Harden and expect for him to, to, to succeed. That That's not the way that Dwight the NBA works. Dwight that pass, Dwight chose that path, though. He he should. I mean, sometimes you got to know yourself, as Drake as the Drake song goes, man. You got to know yourself and know your worth. And Couldn't agree with he you overestimated. More. He overestimated. Couldn't agree with you more. And he he made that bed, and he's been stuck in purgatory for three years. You know, first Kobe, you know, then the last two years with Harden. So maybe maybe he does need to be a focal point again. Maybe that's what will revive revive his career. We will have to see. Um, because, he, he, again, he's not bad. He's not a bad player. I'm not saying that at all. But he wasn't an all-star, you know, and th- th- there should never be a point in his career while he still got at, – at this age, he should still be a perennial all-star. Um, 
he's not at that point where we should not be putting where he should not be like an automatic either on the vote of fans or by the coaches. He should be an automatic in on the All Star game, and he wasn't. You know what I mean? So I think that that in itself is kind of a litmus test of where he is. Um, even in the eyes of his peers and coaches around the league and fans, um, he's not where he was because there was a point in his career where he could not play the first half of the season. He'd still get voted in an all-star game. Um, right. So we'll see. Maybe coming home is the right thing for him. The last one on my list, Kevin Love. Again, this is a guy who was 26-14 and 14, um, yearly for about two or three years in Minnesota. He was averaging 23 to 26 points a game. 14 to 15 rebounds a night, um, and now he's 15 and 10. <laughs> oh. I mean, know, know what I'm going to do? You're playing with other guys who get who who have the ball, but rebounding is rebounding. They miss shots. Go get them. I I get the 15 points. I'll give them a pass on the point. I can't give them a pass on the rebounds. If you're a rebounder, they still missing shots. <laughs> Go get them. Game changer. I've been educating you for years. And I'm about to I'm I'm going to take you back to something I said to you three maybe four years ago. It, it, it doesn't ever sit well with my peer group. I may be judged unfairly based on my opinion, but one of these days is going to resonate with all of you. LeBron James makes average players good. Okay. In addition right. to that, he makes great players good and or average. You cannot judge Kevin Love based on statistics. Look at Dwayne Wade's numbers pre-LeBron James. Look at Chris Bosch's numbers in Toronto pre-LeBron James. They all declined. Okay? You look at Mo Williams, J.R. Smith, Iman Shumper, and those guys' numbers with LeBron, they all go up, okay? So while, yes, LeBron makes players around him better, he makes star, superstar players much worse than they're capable of being because he's so ball-dominant, and he dribbles the life out of the basketball for 20 seconds and forces them to shoot a three with less than four, sh- four seconds on the shot clock. That I do not blame K-Love for. However, I do believe that K-Love is a bad fit in Cleveland. And the only reason I I, I state that is because LeBron doesn't like him. If LeBron doesn't like you and you're on LeBron's team, you're not a good fit. Because LeBron is the player, he's the coach, he's the GM. He drives the motor in Cleveland. And until he realizes that that's not the way to win championships – he got lucky with the two that he won in Miami with the Ray Allen shot, and, 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 and I think Russell Westbrook got hurt. But you can't win championships that way. Everybody has to buy in. Everybody has to have an equal part, and LeBron doesn't believe in that. So LeBron is why Kevin Love should be moved, not Kevin Love. Interesting, interesting. And, and just just for the record, I'm not. I'm not in an oppo- I'm not of an opposing viewpoint on that particular stance. Um, I agree with you, and I said this when LeBron went to Miami. You know, everybody was like, "Oh, this is going to be great." I said, "You got to pause this, right? You're taking dudes who since 10, 10 years old, since they were ten, 
D-Wade and Chris Bosh have had the basketball in their hands and have been the dude on their team. Even LeBron, since he was 10, he's been the, the coach gave him the ball and said, go win the game. That's been their mentality. That's a part of how they have been indoctrinated into playing basketball. That's how they see and understand the game from the perspective of having the ball, not playing off the ball, from having the ball. So when you go from playing with the ball in your hands to playing off the ball, you have to see the game completely differently. It's a totally different perspective. That's why you also can't take a guy like Kyle Korver and make him a ball-dominant player. Why? Because there's just a totally different paradigm for understanding basketball when you have the ball in your hands as opposed to when you're off the ball and you're running around, coming off screens, or spotting up in the corner. And I I agree with your point totally. That's also why I was against the Kevin Love trade to begin with. When you got LeBron James, you don't need to be paying one other dude $20 million, especially when he's supposedly a superstar who you're not going to give him the ball like he's a superstar. They could have spent that money and gotten two or three guys to do what Kevin Love does and to give LeBron some, some extra. They could have kept Wiggins and given LeBron an extra running mate. You know what I mean? He's somebody to take some miles off his legs. You know what I mean? And then when as LeBron ages out, then Wiggins becomes your ball-dominant player. Or he learns to play off the ball and just feed off LeBron and Kyrie. But I just felt like it was a bad fit to begin with, whether LeBron liked him or not. He wasn't going to be what they were going to wind up having to pay him to be. Right? Right now, you're paying him to be a Al Horford with a three-point shot. I mean, that's basically what he is right now in Cleveland. Um, he's a good four who can get you ten boards. Um, he is not somebody you're going to give ball, the ball to in the post, which actually you might with Horford, um, but they're not giving him the ball in the post. Um, he's mostly spotting up all the time uh, because they have to run pick and roll with Mozgov or Tristan Thompson because otherwise the other team won't guard them. Um, and I think you could have gotten similar production and added a couple other pieces to bolster their bench and to actually probably make them a little bit more competitive against the San Antonio and Golden State because they'd be deeper, maybe more versatile, maybe able to throw different kinds of lineups out there. But um, I just I, I don't feel like I feel like they've wasted a bunch of money um, to to bring in a big name when big names don't flourish. I agree with you. Big names don't flourish with LeBron because he is a ball-dominant player. Even Kyrie isn't as impactful. Forget the stats. His impact on the game isn't the same because he doesn't have the ball all the time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I, I, I actually don't think that's crazy. Um, I don't think that's crazy at all. And that's why I've never been a fan of the Cleveland Kevin Love for Wiggins trade. I always thought that Cleveland was going to get fleeced in that um, because they gave up a young superstar for a guy, a young superstar who in his early years, LeBron would make much better than he actually was because he would still be just a decent player. LeBron would turn him into a good player. Instead, they wanted to get an established superstar who, again, they're going to get diminished returns on that almost every single time because you saw Kevin Love getting the ball 25, 28 touches a night, and that's just not going to happen in Cleveland. It's just not going to happen when you're playing with LeBron. And LeBron should have the ball. I mean, he should have the ball in his hands. I'm not arguing that either. But you also got to know that that also means that these other guys aren't going to have the ball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and he may not necessarily be feeding them either. He's going to make the right play. That's why he makes average guys better is because what happens is, is the team leaves the, – the oppo- opponent leaves those average guys open 
and then LeBron finds them and they get better shots. Whereas the stars are used to creating their own shots and they don't get a chance to do that. Um, so they're constantly feeding off LeBron as well. But and look then that at that model. Their impact. Look at look at that model. Like that doesn't win championships historically. Teamwork wins nope. championships. Like, yep. look at Golden State. You know Steph is the star. But Steph doesn't dribble if he doesn't have to dribble. He'll make that pass. Clay will right. make that pass. Draymond's making the right cut. Andrew Bogut's making the right read on the play. That's what wins championships. And LeBron, to me, is so selfish in his way mm. that he wants to do it his way or he wants to be the quote-unquote king that – he sacrifices other people's greatness because he wants to be the the MVP or the leader of a championship team, and I think that's his downfall. And people think that I hate LeBron for that, but what I'm saying is I don't hate him. I respect his greatness, but give me Steph ten times out of ten over LeBron. Wow, wow! Now that is ten times is, out of ten. I, I wouldn't go. As if far I gotta win one game. Selfish. I'm going with Steph. Wow, now that is that is a different that's that's a different perspective. Um, if I gotta if I gotta get a shot at the end of a game, I'm going with LeBron because uh, I know he he's gonna rack it and he's at least gonna You're give me a shot. You're kidding me! Get all the times he he's either bailed out and shot a jump shot as opposed to going to the hole. Look at all the times I know. He, and, and he does that. He does that. But if I'm coaching LeBron, hear me out. He hear me out. No Look shot. at all the times he's failed trying to get to the basket or not. Look at all the times he's lost in the finals. Steph's one and zero in the finals. LeBron is two and six, probably soon to be two and seven. LeBron has never done a dunk contest because he's afraid to fail. Steph failed this weekend in a three point contest by losing to his, his teammate, and he embraced it. Steph has never been afraid to fail, and I think LeBron is so afraid. To fail, he doesn't step up and step up in the big moments, and I think that's the difference between Steph and LeBron. And Steph's just a that better all-around. Perspective. That is an interesting, interesting perspective, and at this time, I cannot validate or invalidate that thing. It's interesting. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna peep that though. I'm gonna peep that. Like that, that that's do. something I put on my radar. That's something Please I put do. on my radar. We're gonna take a quick, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back to close out the show, the last half hour. You listen to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by On the Rocks in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, make sure you hit up On the Rocks in Rockford, Illinois. I'm in Craig Sockwell, great music, great people, and great food. Tell them the Real Sports Guys sent you. Uh, make sure you check them out. We're going to hit you with a little music, break real quick, and then we'll be back.
Welcome back. You listen to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. RSG Renegade Radio. This is the big show with Game Changer and Justin Page holding it down, talking NBA hoops. We're going to slide into some NFL, talk about the Super Bowl, talk about the NBA All-Star Game, hit you up with some pop culture talk. Um, we're going to kind of run the gamut as we close out this show. First thing we want to touch base, we got Justin Page in the house, our resident NBA expert, um, kind of sewer of all different kinds of pop culture. So we got we to gotta, we gotta really chop it up with him when we, when we bring him on because he always keeps it fresh. He always keeps it live for you. So we got him in the house. Justin, Cam Newton, an Atlanta native, right? Another ATLian. You're an ATLian. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, Let me correct you real quick, real quick. Let me correct you. College Park. It's not College Park. <laughs> it's not College Park as, as they want us to enunciate. It's College Park, shouty. Right, with a W. But go ahead. Cam is from College Park, Georgia. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So Cam is from College Park. And uh, we are, Cam has been under fire, right, for a lot of different reasons. Um, he kind of started with the whole dabbing and the dancing after touchdowns and, you know, some white lady was offended by it, which white ladies are so sensitive nowadays. That's the other conversation we got to have at some point, man. Caucasian Americans are just so sensitive nowadays. <laughs> like, they're just so sensitive about things. Like, they get offended by simple things. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. But just so much offends them. I'm just, I'm over it. Like, <laughs> like you're the most offended people. And, like, you kind of, you kind of, everything is kind of for you guys. But I don't know why you're so offended. But we'll just keep it moving. Anyway, you can't offend some people, mostly white people, um, some black people, but mostly white people, the majority white people, because of his dancing and, you know, his his quote-unquote lack of sportsmanship, et cetera. Um, and there was some people who had an issue with that, um, writing him letters, um, you know, calling in on radio shows, all of the silly stuff that people do when they're upset about sports, um, as if that's going to change anything. Um and then, you know, the Panthers going to the Super Bowl. Cam kind of addresses the issue all week. You know, it starts a really interesting conversation around race and how race plays into how people are judged, in particular athletes. Given Cam is a quarterback, you know, there was a, a, at least some talk of, like, how, how quarterbacks are um, judged differently, um, particularly African-American quarterbacks are judged differently than white quarterbacks. What were your thoughts on the whole kind of situation that was swirling around Cam? Because there was like this cloud of just like stuff um, with involving race, culture, um, privilege, just all these other things that were kind of swirling around Cam as he was kind of trying to take this ride towards becoming um, a Super Bowl champion. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I'll tell you this. First and foremost, I'm not going to call any race of people white people. I'm not going to disrespect white people. I'm going to call them Caucasians because I got a nine to five that I do every day, and I don't want to get fired over this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen I've seen people get their NBA teams uh, snatched from them for private conversations that they've had in their home. So I'll be sensitive towards all races. There However, I have a feeling that the Caucasian race 
only likes a certain kind of colored person. I won't limit the the colored person statement to African Americans because I feel like if you look at Donald Trump, he has problems with Mexicans, he has problems with Hispanics, he has problems with Muslims. So it's a wide gamut that Caucasians have issue with in this country. Caucasians don't like boisterous people of color, is what I've learned. Okay? They like people like they like people who conform to their beliefs and or to their their ideology that this is what society is supposed to portray, right? So they don't care if Aaron Rodgers discount double checks. They don't care if Tom Brady spikes the ball in the end zone in another player's face because he is like them. But when you have winning players like Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, potentially Steph Curry, Derek Jeter, non-threatening African-Americans who are lighter in skin tone, who don't have facial hair, who are more welcoming than, than others, they, they tend to accept those individuals more so than those who voiced their blackness on pop culture, right? <laughs> I'm a huge Cam fan. If you turn into my subdivision, Cam Newton went to Westlake High School, which is less than uh, three blocks from my home. You turn in, it says Cam Newton, home of the 2011 Heisman Trophy winner. So I support Cam. Even though he, he he rivals my my love in in the Atlanta Falcons, okay. Cam Newton dancing brings me joy when he scores in the end zone. And what I would tell people is, if you don't want him dancing, stop him. And nobody could stop him until the Super Bowl. I was a little disappointed in Cam's post-game conference, because you can't be the guy that when you're winning, you're dancing. When you're losing, you're falling on the, on the floor like a five-year-old. I understand that. However, Caucasians need to look at things a little bit differently and have a different perspective on what they chime in on and what they do not chime in on. And I don't feel like Cam did anything disrespectful to the game, to to their race, to their opponents. Like Peyton Manning said, Cam was as gracious as they come. I just think that, again, Caucasians enjoy black success when they conform to their ideals that this is the way it's supposed to be done. Kind of like slavery. When you buck the system, that's when you got in trouble. Cam dabbing on them. What do you say? Dabbing on them folk. <laughs> That 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 was a divide. They didn't understand that culture. They didn't understand where that came from. That was outside of their realm of possibility. So Cam actually put the bullseye on his back by saying, you know what, Caucasians? I could care less what you think. I'm going to dab on your folk all day till you stop me. And he couldn't handle it properly when they stopped him. And I think that's what Cam needs to learn. And I think that as a 27-year-old man, he has the ability to learn it. He's only been in the league, what, four or five years. So 
give him his credit for his successes. Let him learn from his mistakes. And Cam, keep dabbing on the folk, shawty. That's my take. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. I think you covered a lot of ground. What I will say, and I, I'll, I'll come at another segment of the population that kind of critique Cam. I'm not a Cam fan, but I'm not a Cam hater either. Um, I enjoy watching him play football. I'm not necessarily rooting for him, but I'm not definitely. I'm definitely not rooting against him. He's just kind of he's he's doing his thing, and I'm not mad at him. Not mad at him at all. I got no animosity in my heart towards Cam. Um, I wish him nothing but the best. So I'm I'm kind of a objective observer of this whole situation. Um, being that Cam doesn't play on a team that I root for. He doesn't play against teams that I root against necessarily. I'm not an NFC South. I'm not a fan of anybody in the NFC South. So um, he, he just kind of doing it. He had an amazing season. I mean, he didn't even hurt me in fantasy football, so I couldn't even be mad at him on that level. Um, <laughs> you know, so I had no re- I had no reasons whatsoever to have any issues with Cam. Um, at the same time, he wasn't on none of my teams, so I really had no reason to ride for him either. Um, so he was just having a great season, and I appreciated watching the brother play football. Now, where I got a little bit um, upset myself was when folks uh, are saying, well, you know, if I was – if I like Charles Barkley came out and said, well, if I was playing defense against Cam, I would be upset that he's out there dancing. It would annoy me. He would get on my nerves and annoy me. And my my, my point my, – my rebuttal to that is, Shouldn't the fact that he just ran for ran for a touchdown annoy you more than the fact that he's dancing? How about that? How about you be annoyed at the fact that he's killing you and getting first downs every rip? How about that annoy you? That's your job is to stop him from getting first downs, not to be annoyed at the fact that he's dancing after he outdid you. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, don't I couldn't agree more, man. Right. Don't tell me you would be annoyed because he's dancing. You don't want him dancing. You get a check just like he get a check. Stop that, brother. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. put it into it. Like, buck up and stop him. Like, don't 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 beg for mercy from your opponent. Like, I don't think any. I don't think Barkley subscribes to that in any sense of it. Like, I'm not gonna hope that you don't dance on me. I'm just gonna stop you. As simple as that. I'm just not gonna let you have any success. And that's what it's going to be. Now, if you're better than me, you better than me. You can do what you want when you outdo me. It's whatever. If i got a problem with that, i got to stop it. That's how I came up. You know, you play ball on playgrounds, on, on courts, it's always a couple of cats talking. You know, and I wasn't much of a trash talker per se. There was a certain line that I would, that you, if you crossed it, I was going to rep mine. You know what I'm saying? But in the end, I was not necessarily looking to talk trash unless you brought it to me and you crossed the line. Then I was going to bring it back to you. But I was of the mindset that if I was tired of you talking and you talking bothered me, oh, it was on. Because <laughs> I'm going finna, I'm finna to shut you up. I'm going to shut yeah. you up. I'm going to lock you down. I ain't trying to hear it no more. And that's the school I came from. If you don't want to do dancing on you, you don't want to do stunting on you, then you got to do your job. Right, you out there, you got a job, you got to do your job. He's doing his job, and he happens to be doing his job better than you can do your job, and that's the problem, right? So that's how I felt about Cam, and I think that's the thing that people don't understand is that this is a game, like it's, it's not game, a job, bro. it's not a business, it's none of those things. Like you know, people say, "Well, act like you've been there before." I'm 35. 
I turned 36 in December. Every year on my birthday, I go dunk a basketball just to say I could, just to see if I could still do it. I made it this year. I can still jam. You need to do things when you are at that peak, when you're 27, 28 years old. You better enjoy that athleticism while you got it because <laughs> it go away real fast. So I'm about, at this point in my life, if I was playing sports, I would be all about not act like you've been there before. Act like you might not get there again, especially if I was a football player because in no sport is the mortality of your career more on display from play to play or more at risk from play to play than in the sport of football. So we expect football players who should be just glad that they got up from getting hit to act like it's nothing and just toss the ball. No, I'm going to celebrate the fact that not only did I get a first down, not only did I catch the pass, but I survived. <laughs> you know what? Like, That's I know interesting... where I'm at still. That's an interesting perspective that I never thought of. I, I, I see that. Like, yeah. That is that is that that's forward thinking right there. Like why should it's gonna go away? Like right, you're not gonna be able to do that forever. So you better enjoy these moments while you can still run a four four forty. You better run hey, you better hey, run brother run. All right, you better run that four four forty while you can still jump thirty six inches in the air. Do it and enjoy it. Enjoy those gifts while you still have them because those physical gifts will be gone. Ask Peyton Manning. <laughs> Oh, Those physical gifts go away. <laughs> they go away. So, you know, you got to enjoy it while you got it, man. That's that's where my perspective has evolved. When I played, when I was 21, 22 in college, I was definitely, you know, I'm going to score on you, me, mug, and hand the ball back to the ref. I'm not going to dance on you or nothing like that. that. That wasn't me. But as I've gotten older, man, and some of that stuff I could do, I can't do no more. I wish I could do some of that stuff. And if I could, I would enjoy that moment again. <laughs> I would oh, man, you're making me feel moments. bad. I, I used to hit three-pointers and go back and, and clap my own back. I used to clap my uh, – I used to pat my hand on my back and, and congratulate myself for hitting a three-pointer. So, <laughs> clearly we were hey, different in that regard. <laughs> but I ain't mad at you. I Because if I'm guarding you, I'm like, he ain't going to hit another three and do that back clap and stuff again. <laughs> And guess what? I did it to so many cats. <laughs> hey, and I and I bet you did. I bet you did. And it was on them to stop. It was on them to stop you. If they didn't like it. It was on them to stop it. me. And I wish I could go back you know to that saying? place. Absolutely. Tapping my Absolutely. back was a great feeling. <laughs> exactly. So you I know, understand, and, Ken. And you, the same thing yeah. if I was and, Ken. I, and I understand that too. I understand that too. So I'm not mad at him for dancing. I was never mad at him for dancing. If you don't like it, stop him. But also, if you're one of those people who is like, you know, you shouldn't be dancing, it's a game that grown men are getting paid a lot of money to play. They better be having fun because there's a lot worse ways to make a living. Let's put it all in perspective, please. Let's put this all in perspective. It is not a job. They are not working the line at a factory. They are not, you know, no line worker. You know, they're not a bus driver, none of that. They should enjoy what they're doing. They're getting paid a lot of money to do it. And they should be they should be happy for all the blessings that they get, man. And they should have a good time. I I, I, I would I would be upset if they were out there and they were just acting like they didn't enjoy this. You know what I mean? Like they didn't enjoy what they were doing. That would tell me they're taking these blessings for granted because they go away. They go away. Athletic ability ability is a very fleeting thing. Um, speaking of such, the Super Bowl. There's another whole fluff, another whole flap, another big issue around the halftime performance. Now, during the halftime of the Super Bowl, I went grocery shopping, straight up and down. 
No, you didn't. I knew I was gonna be. I knew I was gonna be in and out of the grocery store, and the grocery store usually is packed on a Sunday, and that's usually when I do my shopping because I have to get it done because basketball practice and all that kind of stuff is is just not easy to do during the week. So I always do it on Sundays, and usually it's just packed. I mean, I'm standing in line after I get my groceries. After an hour of shopping, I'm in line for another 20 minutes just to get get checked out. Well, I went during the Super Bowl halftime, and it was, I mean, it was dead, and I loved it. <laughs> it was the quickest shop ever. It was the quickest shop ever. I was probably in and out of there in about 45 minutes, man. So I got back in time about, you know, five or six minutes into the third quarter, and my wife was like, you got to watch the halftime show. Beyonce killed it. So I watched, and it was a great performance. She performed the song Formation, which, and again, astute business right here. This is, this is just great business marketing acumen on her part. It's a song that no one had ever heard prior to the Super Most people had never heard prior to the Super Bowl weekend. She releases a video for it, right? The video is off the hook. The video is very, um, it, it gives a nod to her cultural heritage, the cultural impulses of the South, um, black culture in the South. Um, there's also some very powerful imagery around uh, police brutality in the video. Um, it's a very powerful video. It's a great video. Um, and it kind of matches up with the song, but it the song, if you just heard the song in a vacuum without the context of the video, you just think it was another song, you know. But when you watch the song in the context of the video, you definitely, definitely see kind of what she was going for. So then she drops that on Saturday, right, and the Internet goes nuts. I mean, Paul Wall, I got the Internet going nuts. You know what I'm saying? Just the, the Internet's losing it. So then you fast forward to Sunday, halftime of the Super Bowl, Coldplay comes out. They do a little nice deal. You know, Coldplay did their thing. Even they – see, that's the other thing. Coldplay had some hidden agendas on there too, but ain't nobody peeped that. Ain't nobody mad about that. But we're going to get into that in a minute. All right? So Coldplay did their thing, right? Then Bruno Mars came out, and he had – Bruno Mars had a nice set. He did he did Uptown Funk, which, you know, that always gets you up out your seat, and, and it really doesn't get old. It's a jam, you know. Then Beyonce came out. She's doing a song that nobody really knows. And I don't even know if people caught this in the moment or if, like, some people, I feel like some people, like, had somebody, like, whisper in their ear, like, what happened? Like, you know what that was? You know what I mean? She had she had her dancers come out. They did the song Formation, um, and her dancers were dressed as Black Panthers or dressed in, in a way that would give tribute to Black Panthers. And then she just performed the song. Um, she didn't really make a whole lot of statements, you know. They did the formation of an X, um, which was a nod to Malcolm X. But she didn't, like, stop her performance and give a, a, a speech. She performed. Um, it was a tight performance. I enjoyed it. It was hot. And then the, it, the, then the world lost their mind. <laughs> like, the world lost their mind about her performance. What was your thought on Beyonce's performance and the reaction to her performance? Well, I would phrase that in, with, with a with a question, and I would say, did the world lose their mind, or did people with demographics that differ that differ from you and I lose their mind? I feel yes, those people like did. <laughs> they did. So I say this: 
Beyonce's one, the video which she dropped on Saturday couldn't have been perfect. It couldn't have been more better timing. I think that that's her management with Rock Nation, Jay Z. Big ups to him. Great job by having your wife release that video the day before she was going to perform it live on the on the Super Bowl. First and foremost, I know I saw it on World Star Hip Hop at eight o'clock in the morning on Saturday. And it led me to want to know more about the song, more about the production of the video. Um, but I really think that that performance, that video, that song, in a sense, it's Beyonce's depiction of the social injustices taking place in society today. Now, I'm a huge Beyonce fan. However, I'm not a huge fan of that song. I think she broke the song up with too many too many skits. I, I don't think it's a song that will catch major radio play. But I appreciate the message from it. I think she's the biggest star in the world on the biggest stage, which is Super Bowl. And she stood up for her and our culture. And she should be commended for it. You know, Kendrick did the same thing at the Grammys last night, and yes, I'm the first killed it. I'm, I'm the first person to tell you, I'm not a Kendrick fan. I don't care for his music. Not that it's bad music; it just doesn't fit my 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 likability or my genre. But Beyonce, in part, influenced Kendrick's performance. She, in her performance in her performance, empowered us, African Americans, to be brave, to be different, to stand up for our rights in the likes that our predecessors did in the 60s and, and when we were fighting for civil war, civil civil rights and things of that nature. Given that I'm in the South, I'm in Atlanta, I see this completely differently and I think that she stood up for our race and our culture just to be treated as equals because so much wrong is going on in society today, and I think Beyonce helped bring that to light in her Super Bowl performance and her release of the video um, formation. And that's my, my, my take on it, and I commend her, and I appreciate her, and I love her artistry, and I, there's never a word I could say bad about anything that – Mrs. Knowles Carter has done. Did you feel like there was an overreaction to the performance? There's always an overreaction. That's but but that's what social media has created. There there's going to be an overreaction to a Demarcus Cousins technical foul. There's going to be an overreaction to Beyonce having black power people in her videos. There's going to be an overreaction to Lady Gaga, you know, dressing like a queen. Like that's what today's society is. It's 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 overreaction, and it's becoming creatures of, of the moment. But let's take a step back from being creatures of the moment and respect our past and grow from it and and try to become better as people, better as as a as a country, better in race relations, 
Like, let's use all these bad and negative experiences to better everybody, not just black people, not just white people, i.e. Caucasians, not just Hispanics, but let's just start treating everybody as equals, as Americans, no matter the color of your skin. And I think that's what Beyonce was trying to represent. And that's what I, Justin Page, want want to represent. Excellent. Excellent points. Excellent points. I'll let you drop the mic right there. All right? One more thing before we let you go. We're running out of time. One more thing I want to get your opinion on. All-Star game, All-Star weekend, slam dunk competition. Wow. Wow. I was impressed. Would I say it's the greatest of all time? I don't know if I'll go that far, but it definitely brought the slam dunk contest back. And this happens, right? It goes away where it's like, I don't really want to watch, I don't really want to watch. And then you have a year like this year where two dudes, two or three dudes just or one dude just puts on a show and you're like, yeah, this is why we got to do this every year because there's always a chance that this will happen. Um, and this year was one of those years where you has had two dudes who were just creative, um, amazing athletes, and they did an amazing job of putting on a show. Um, what were your thoughts on the slam dunk competition? Oh, first and foremost, I loved it. Um, I was telling my wife prior to the dunk contest, I'm saying they need to put the three-point contest at the end next year. I said that this year, I said it last year, and I said that the year before. This year is the first year that the dunk contest lived up to the billing of uh, it's the finale of the Saturday night. You know what I mean? Oftentimes, people don't even watch the game on Sunday. All they care about is, all right, who wins the dunk contest, who wins the three-point contest. So I thought it was very well done. I love the entertainment aspect of it. Um, I don't want to be a creature of the moment. I think Vince Carter, T-Mac, was equally competitive. I think Jordan Dominique was equally equally competitive. I don't want to compare eras, but I, what I'll tell you is the best dunk contest I've seen in the past decade was, was on Sunday night. And uh, you know what? The league needs to build on that. If they had gave me Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon uh, uh, Zach Levine, LeBron, and Wessel Westbrook, that's the only way they can make it better. Our stars need to step up. If I could talk to uh, to Adam Silver right now, I would tell him our stars need to step up. LeBron James needs to do the dunk contest before he retires, or he will never be in my top ten. Mm, wow! Off a dunk contest? Wow! <laughs> Way too. PhD I'm that serious. I'm, I'm that much of a fan. He needs to do the dunk contest, and I'm disappointed that he hasn't mm. done it yet. And I think he's not. Mm. The reason I think he won't do it is because he's afraid to lose. And that's why I respect Steph more because Steph lost so graciously in the three-point contest. That's his forte, and he did it, and he lost, and he was gracious about it. Think about if LeBron lost a dunk contest. He'd probably cry on – he'd probably be way worse than Cam in the press conference. He'd probably be way worse than Cam in the press conference. (laughs) Hey, P.A.Z. going to come after you slandering this guy, man. I welcome it. He should have been on air tonight. He should have been on air tonight. Oh, man. Well, 
thanks for joining me tonight, man. Appreciate the company as always. Appreciate the perspective. You always bring it. We're going to close out this show. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We're at the two-minute warning. Justin's going to close us out with his last word. Justin, you got the last two minutes. They're all yours. Wow. Well, I can't appreciate the fans enough. RSG, thank you for having me on. Big ups to you guys again. Another shout-out to Sekou. Check out his show. Um, I'm just happy to be here and know that I am real sports. I'm not ESPN. I'm not CBS. I follow the sports just as closely as all of their anchors do. However, I give you a different perspective, and I'm giving you real-life sports from a real-life person who really enjoys it, who's really passionate about it. Continue to follow me. Continue to follow RSG. Um, Let's go Atlanta Hawks. Let's go Atlanta Falcons. (laughs) I know that that, uh, that's a stretch. You down with the Thrashers? Bro, we ain't had the Thrashers in years. They they moved out uh, uh, about four years back. They're in L.A. now. Oh, but uh, oh, okay. <laughs> ATL, give me a platform. And uh, Game Changer, we need to get you down here. We need to do this in person one time. I'll get you to a hall yeah. game and make sure that we're well taken care of. We got Golden State coming up February 22nd. I'll be in the building. Um, again, thank you all for for your support. Over the years, RSG is not a better real-life radio station that's not mainstream media, i.e. ESPN, i.e. CBS, i.e. CBS Sports, i.e. Fox News. Follow RSG. You know what? Signing off. Good night. Appreciate everybody. Peace. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I came from a low-income family that was was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GCE became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose.